0: This is an unexpected pleasure, <laughs> not for us, but for you, listener, because uh, un- against the tide, this is Football Unfocused. This is an episode that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, we are recording this, in the interest of transparency, at 27 minutes past nine on Friday night before the uh, the final Premier League weekend of the season, and uh, we didn't think we'd get a podcast in today, but for reasons that I won't go into, we are doing a podcast, and, uh, and I you Know, I'm sure you're all very grateful. This uh, is probably
1: one of the latest episodes we've recorded before the actual content <coughs> has been released.
0: Yes, uh, probably is day. the latest, isn't it? Oh no, yeah, well, yeah. Well, we did one live, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That was a bit, a, bit that. <laughs> 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 a bit much later than that. I live. mean, more ropey. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Live is definitely well. The great thing the- is,
0: you've you, you know, over the last few months, you've Stop bothering to take any pride in the editing process. Of this. <laughs> so now, so now you just you leave literally every bit of uh, shit in, even if it reflects badly on you uh, as well as me. Um, uh, but now, there's you... only moments where I feel it might jeopardise what
1: shoddy career I may have mm. that I sort of go down the edit. I just yeah, into the
0: editing suite and uh, yeah, just yeah, pointless self preservation <laughs> is the only time you ever bother editing. And you know it is it is it is completely pointless, um, and that's your only motive. So actual pride no. in what the product that we churn out and expect people to listen to that doesn't come into it. It's to do with you know you keeping your day job, sweet. Yeah, we've actually spoken about my
1: midterm reviews before. I think I think we've sort of mentioned how what many of the comments you make could could easily be sort of transcribed into what's written in my. Um, in my performance review. Oh, is that is that a fact? Yeah. I mean, I'd give you a,
0: a, a, a C plus at best.
1: That is more generous than I possibly would have thought you I said that. best. The, you call me a cunt, like every other word, and then you still go, yeah, C plus. Yeah.
0: What do you think the C stands for, Matt? Come oh. On. Come on. Yeah. And a it's clue, a plus. It's not just a tone. regular C. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You're a, you're a big fat yeah, C. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly, goodness me! Right, Matthew. <clears throat> uh, as ever, I have some questions for you. The ongoing quest, albeit late, to find out more about you, the, the yeah. character, the man behind the myth. Uh, I've got some very basic questions for you this week, Matthew. That you and I will be able to rattle through very oh, quickly. Hopefully, hopefully. <clears throat> Matthew, what's your favourite colour? Pepper. <laughs> um, it's it's
1: the reason. I think it's um, the yellow one. I think it's the yellow one, and the reason is because I was watching Google Box once, and they were um, showing a clip of Gordon Ramsay, and they <laughs> asked him the same question, and he just said in the most serious way, "It's the yellow one." Um, so I just always think, "Oh, maybe because Gordon Ramsay likes it, I should like the yellow one as well." I mean, <laughs> is that is that? Do you do mean peppers, <laughs> don't you? That's what, well, you what else, else could I mean? mean?
0: I don't know. I was thinking have oh, I just rambled on. I asked and I'll take... you, what you what your favourite pepper is. And rather than giving any sort of preference based on taste, you've just told me Gordon Ramsay said he likes yellow one. He said it with such certainty that I thought I should also like yellow ones.
1: <laughs>
0: well. I mean, do you even know what pieces. they taste like?
1: Uh, I can't quite distinguish the taste of the three.
0: The, the green ones are slightly more... an orange more... one as well, don't forget. Oh, yes, Yellow, that's orange, true. green, red... <laughs> Oh yeah yeah. Scouting the
1: orange. Yeah, oh, maybe he said the orange one. I can't <laughs> remember. But yeah, the the green ones are slightly more peppery. Oh sorry. Sour?
0: I can't I can't actually think of it. Incredible. What, Incredible. What I should have asked the question use? what is Gordon Ramsay's favourite pepper? Oh then we that, could have that, got through that. That, that would one have been a brilliant good. question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if I ask you from now on I'll just pick a random celebrity that I think you might know something about and ask, <laughs> yeah. ask and what, what do, you... do you think they would think of this you'd give me a, a direct <laughs> answer so we can just we, move on yeah we, we mm. probably would get there. Okay. okay question two Matthew and this really is a yes or no oh uh, uh, yes Matthew so. <laughs> yes you're saying yes <laughs> don't know the question but yes okay uh, Matthew have you ever been to Scandinavia no mm. okay do you have anything against Scandinavia? Is that Have you avoided no, no. it? Oh,
1: it's sweet Sweden. Sweden's oh my God. Oh no. Yes,
0: oh, it no. is, Matthew. You. So you've oh, been to Sweden, I have, so the I answer have... is
1: yes. The answer is yes. Oh fuck, I fucked up the yes no one. Yeah, you really have. <laughs> you're, you're an
0: absolute buffoon. When? Why did you go to Sweden and, and when? Uh,
1: it was Joe's friends uh, live in Sweden, so we went to see them.
0: Oh, uh, I actually think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which um, city did you go to? Malmo. Ah, is it Malmo? Birthplace yeah, yeah, yeah. of uh, none other than Ibrahimovic. Oh
1: yes, I was. I was asking about the statue, but they they said it hadn't been put up yet, or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you asked. You went to Malmo, and the best question you could ask is why isn't there a statue? So you asked yeah, about yeah. something that doesn't exist, rather than all yeah, the things that are yeah, in Malmo. Yeah. yeah. You may mm. have thought I've just made up that question, but well, you could have asked them about, you know, how culturally and 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 sort of sportingly, if that's a word, significant it was that they reached the European Cup final against Nottingham Forest in uh, 1979
1: and lost. <laughs> I could have, yeah, yeah. I th-
0: um, must have been on the tip yeah. of your tongue, I'm sure.
1: I know. Well, that's it. I think that I would. Yeah, they'd they'd probably show me up in that respect. If it mm. you know, it's like one it's like when you learn stock phrases in another language. Yeah. And you just sort of say that and then if somebody starts talking back
0: at you sort of fluently, you're like, So oh, you stock up. you'd have learnt the stock phrase for yeah. how Not. significant was it that Malmo made the European cup final? Anyway. <laughs> it's Swedish. Yeah. They'd be like, Oh, that one again. Yeah, most <laughs> some people would learn how oh, to order one. a drink, <laughs> get a taxi, but no. <laughs> Right, brilliant. So the answer to your question was no, yes. Um, yeah. And third question, Matthew. It's a simple question. Matthew, uh, yeah. Matthew do you think you're hard? <laughs>
1: what now? <laughs> do you
0: consider yourself hard? Uh, no,
1: no. That's a yes, no question as well. Yeah, no, no, I know it is. Yeah. You yeah. don't. Do you want to elaborate what do you or is think? it just
0: a simple question?
1: Um, I've never beaten anyone up. And I have been beaten up. Is that the definition of 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 uh, being hard? Go around beating people up. I suppose you could intimidate people. To different, different ways an of extent being hard, Matthew. that you never have to beat anyone up, or you can order others to beat some, others some up. Some
0: people would say that being hard is the, the last thing you do is go around beating people up.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's more of a, it's me- the. It's mentally
0: hard, isn't it? You know, if you're.
1: Oh, am I mentally
0: hard? I just uh... said hard. You can you can you can oh, interpret right. it. Hey, I just said, do you think you're hard?
1: No, I think if someone said, do you think he's hard? They'd probably go, no, he's a mm. bit. He's a, what about he's you? A... You think other people's yeah. perception of you is not hard? Yeah, if somebody if somebody pointed to me and said to somebody else, do you think he's hard? Mm. They'd probably go, what that blind person? Well, you, first of all, you're <laughs> not you're not blind. And secondly, so, you, you... or the person with the white cane over there. Yeah. You what know, the, well, the one who's done an guy. Iron
0: Man? I mean, surely there's nothing harder than an Iron Man. Oh yeah
1: that yeah yeah um i did do it in a, i remember i told somebody who's quite sporty who's very very sporty <laughs> that i did an ironman and then because they were going to do one and i told them how long it took me to do the cycle and they just laughed at me because it was so slow and i was like oh that's 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 my crowning glory and, and yeah, your... but
0: that person at that point hadn't done an ironman
1: no but i'm sure they went on and did a quicker doesn't
0: matter Listen, <laughs> I mean, for goodness' sake! Like I couldn't do an Iron Man. You could, you no, could. I couldn't, I couldn't. Um, so, no, I couldn't, I couldn't. So no, I couldn't. I'm going to cut all this out. No, you're not. Come on, let's move on. Let's all move right, on. But, but I'm just saying that it's all very well anyone getting bogged down in times of Iron Man, just doing an Iron Man, yeah, doing yeah, a yeah. marathon on its own, but doing an Iron Man is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Yeah. I by that definition, mate, you're hard. You're an hard bastard.
1: Uh, um, I'm a double-hard bastard. No, cheers. I was just going to say, though, you do learn. when you. Well, I did learn quite quickly when doing the Ironman, or just in the build-up, you realise that people will always outdo each other. So there's yeah. something called, like, the Decker Ironman and shit like that, which is like oh, no, yeah. two Ironmen or ten Ironmen back-to-back, and, they're just, and you just think, this is not a game I want to fucking no. play. No. It just it's becomes just, a bit tiresome, doesn't it? It's just, yeah, when.
0: Yeah, wankers. Yeah, yeah, so. wank- yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, iron wankers. People who do Iron Man are wankers.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Iron wankers. You should but shout that out hard. the window. You should run past, <laughs> yeah, you hard iron wankers. Yeah, you should, get in between us style, just drive, drive past an Iron Man competition, wind down the window of your Fiat, uh, whatever that was, Chicacento, and shout, Iron wankers! And then just and then h- hope, hope that none of them catch you at the red light. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. well, good, good. <laughs> well, that concludes the questions for this week. That's excellent, uh, Matthew. Excellent. I'm sure you've been uh, watching nothing but football over the last week or so. So, is there anything in particular that you're that you want to discuss, or do you want me to just start? Um, uh, start you rambling? can,
1: <laughs> you can stop. But you must, you must. We've, we've mentioned the football violence, and you were a little. Oh, you want about, to go with
0: a negative story? I thought no, you would. No. If ever there's a negative, you want to jump straight on it. It was yeah. a concern. It was a concern. There were, there so was you're just referring to the, um, the 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 sort of spate of um, of pitch invasions over? The, yeah,
1: I think I read it. So I read an article in, in the Guardian. Sorry, so you know what we're saying? Sorry was,
0: for. Us? Well, it's no, it's what I, I do. Well. Yeah, I know. I just... no, you normally just you rip rip normally off. talk about the just, Times because you're a yes yeah, 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 Murdoch. <laughs> you love reading. Uh, <laughs> right-wing just... stories uh, <laughs> f- funded by a uh, insane brexiteer.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were just talking about uh, I think it was 1990 And Oldham beat a team I can't remember who the fuck it was And there was a pitch invasion And the, he was saying He remembers when he was in 1919 the, the, the home fans Came across to, the, to, to their end And he said he remembers his dad Just sort of grabbing hold of his arm And just suddenly thinking Oh shit, this is, this is bad Mm. And then the fans, oh shit, I can't remember, it might have been Burnham City or something, they they came over and they applauded the Oldham fans because of uh, the achievements they, they'd sort of Well that was made the time when
0: Oldham were on an absolute high and they mm. got to the Premier League and they got to the FA Cup semi-final in 1990, lost in a replay uh, against uh, the Manx who went on to win Ferguson's first trophy which you know as legend has it kept him in a job that year particularly the um I think the third or fourth round win over Nottingham Forest in which Mark Robbins scored a goal so yeah uh so what the point of that was so, that, so the that... point
1: was is that there was there was a real sense people understood why you didn't invade a pitch and it obviously was a fallout of, of sort of Hillsborough and that sort of thing and and there was a sense of like we don't this is something we just don't do Mm-hmm. Um, but Just for record, a sense- Hill Hillsborough had absolutely nothing to do with pitch invasion. Um, no, so wasn't it that the, the 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 fences were put up to stop? Is that right?
0: The fences, that- essentially, that were up as a legacy of 1970s and 80s football violence, where fans were then treated like cattle and animals, and that caged them in, and that essentially created pens for fans who were then crushed to death um, because of the negligence of the uh, authorities that, mm. that that led to their uh, their death. Um, un- unlawful deaths so, proven yeah. in every court of law. So uh, that... Sorry, I didn't... Yeah, that, that is why I've seen nothing. The people ended up on the pitch because they were trying to climb out um, to stop themselves being suffocated. Um, okay. there, was no, there was no football violence element to that at all.
1: I think I've read it as they... they were putting fences up during that time. To oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, Ken Bates, famously at Chelsea, he used to have a terrible problem with hooliganism, wanted oh, right. uh, permission to have electric, uh, electrically charred fe- uh, fences so that if anyone tried to scale them, uh, I mean, that was the culture, honestly, at the time. And it led ultimately to the death of innocent people and negligence because, it, you know, just like in, you know, you look at sort of fascistic regimes and stuff, once you start treating people as less than human beings and turning them into sort of, you know, like animals in your mind, then it's only ever going to go one way and lead to, you know, certain type of behavior. And football fans kind of suffered with that for, um, for years, but, but there is no doubt on the flip side of that, that throughout the seventies and eighties, there were massive problems with, uh, with football violence and, you know, fans that often ended up with fans invading pitches and, um, uh, you know, having mass brawls, and but it rarely resulted in um, attacks on uh, players and managers. Oh. It was normally just people, you know, just acting like dickheads, really, and getting carried away. And you yeah. had the you had the occasional. I mean, Brian Clough famously gave a um, a Nottingham Forest fan who came on the pitch gave him a smack round the face. Uh, and with Brian Clough being Brian Clough, a few days later they orchestrated a. Uh, a kind of meeting between Brian Clough and this uh, guy, this fan, yeah. and the guy apologised to to Brian Clough, uh, showed That's you the power fun. Brian Clough had. So, sorry for making you hit me, um, <laughs> for being such an asshole. And Brian yeah. Clough gave him a kiss.
1: Uh, yeah. di- uh, di-
0: different times, but in many ways, uh, you know, that was uh, you know, summed up the so, so some of the best aspects of uh, <laughs> of a Brian Clough and B sort of football football support and culture, really, in terms mm-hmm. of the uh, the ultimate respect that they had for for, for each other, in a way. Yeah.
1: But w- the- I mean, I guess, and then they were say maybe there's a time where they may have forgotten why, you know... Why, why you don't run on of, the pitch. Why you don't run on... But, but I don't... Yeah, I don't... Sorry, so
0: I don't want to drag
1: you into this. Sort of, no, no, no um, it's fine.
0: But I suppose the important thing to remember is that, so you had a pitch invasion after a few of the playoff games... Obviously, you know, Forrest uh, being a big one um, against Sheffield United. Then you had Everton last night when they won to stay up. Uh, you know, and, and by the way, well done, uh, Frank Lampard. I mean, what a, I said all along, what a genius. They're, that's bound to end in success. And uh, as someone pointed out to me earlier, uh, he took over when they were 16th. And uh, they're likely to finish in 16th. So that is a hell of a job uh, he's done there. Uh, incredible, but they you know everton, as you 'd expect a club of that size were they were on the pitch celebrating finishing sixteenth last night um you know i don 't know when the me- when they 're going to get their medals for for sixteenth <laughs> place in the Premier League, but i 'm sure they they 'll be in the post um, but uh, but yeah, but that that obviously resulted in a in a confrontation between uh, a fan and Patrick Vieira, the palace manager. And obviously, um, Billy Sharp of um, Sheffield United and a former Forest player got headbutted by some utter moron uh, on Wednesday night. But I suppose it, it is important to remember, as as whenever stuff like this happens, that there was probably on that Forest pitch there was probably about ten or fifteen thousand supporters, maybe maybe, maybe let's just say five or six thousand supporters. One guy caused problem. You know, the majority of them are just celebrating; they're just overcome with joy. And they maybe got a little bit carried away, but they just, you know, that that emotion, the thing that makes supporting a football team so captivating, kind of took over and they um, they spill onto the pitch. Now, it is the, ro- it is the wrong thing to do. The thing that's interesting is if you go to like a really big game, so if you go to, like I was at the FA Cup final last weekend, for example, and if... People had wanted to run on the pitch at the end of the game, they just simply wouldn't have been able to do so because the the amount of the kind of stewards and the kind of ring of steel around the pitch would have been too great. So it only ever really seems to happen at, at club games. But like someone's going to win the league this weekend, more than likely it's going to be Manchester City. And I, I, I'd put good money that there won't be any sort of pitch invasion at the end of that game, even when they, um, with the raw emotion of the kind of Aguero moment in, in 2012. Um, there was I think there was a kind of some small scale kind of relatively brief um, pitch invasions when people then kind of got a grip of themselves and then went back to the stands so they could have the trophy presentation so it is it is you know most of the time they don't lead to anything sinister but it is dangerous but then I've kind of always said like I go to um, uh, every football match that I go to with a uh, hip flask containing rum or whiskey in my pocket right now I go uh the football I even got into the Champions League final in 2019 with that despite going through four different um searches and metal detectors so I don't know how I got in but I got in um and it really demonstrates to me that you know I mean heaven forbid this ever happens but like It it amazes me that no one's gone into a football stadium with a gun and just started randomly shooting at the pitch. Because you know, when you think about some of the nut jobs out there who have done some appalling things in the name of all sorts of you know um, terrorist uh, causes over the last sort of twenty or thirty, well, and 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 further back, it is really quite miraculous, thankfully, that that some you know um, uh, psychopath sort of bedroom-dwelling mouth-breather hasn't picked up a gun and gone in a... be it a football ground or some other big occasion, I suppose, similar to that um sicko who bombed the Manchester Arena. So... Well, I was thinking maybe someone like hit the person who stabbed Mordeca Sellers. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, it is... You know, where... Where do you draw the line, you know? You, yeah, that's a really good example because that was just a, um, a you know, a tennis tournament. I think it was in Germany from memory. It was certainly, I don't actually remember where it was. I suppose it doesn't really matter. But like, that was literally someone walking out of the crowd, wasn't it? And yeah, stabbed yeah. her in the shoulder, did they? Yeah, in the back. And that, she was never the same, was she? That kind of pretty much ruined her career. And imagine the psychological impact aside from the sort of physical Thing and that's tennis, which is regarded as a very kind of middle class uh, uh, sport and relatively genteel in terms of the way it's um, supported. It doesn't; it's not like partisan like football. You know, you don't have trouble <laughs> between the Federer and the Dow fans uh, at Wimbledon because one of them's got in the wrong end. You know, so it's um, yeah, it's 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 funny. They are probably going to have to kind of take measures to do something about it, but it's difficult to think what without completely compromising the spectator experience the fan experience and as ever it's a it's a difficult balancing act between um you know kind of like the safety of everyone involved but also the, the sort of human dignity with which people need and deserve to be treated and also bearing in mind that the vast vast majority of people in every every ground all over the world behave behaves well um yeah so I mean, it, yeah, it is. It, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And clearly, this all kind of began with last um, last summer, the whole Wembley thing, and the way that Wembley got stormed and the behaviour of people on that day. Funnily enough, walking to the cup final last week, you know, there was um, getting out of Wembley um, Wembley Park. You,
1: you you went to Liverpool. I did, yes, uh, Matthew. Chelsea. Yeah, I did. So, yeah, yeah. You had to. You think you of, about you? it, yes. but there was. Well, there
0: was. I mean, there were. There were confrontations that I was witness to and, you know, at one stage, a little bit of verbal, maybe slightly got involved with, uh, on Wembley Way through, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm not, I'm not a big, I mean, Chelsea to me are just like Rangers in London and uh, hmm. they, um, yeah, some of the behaviour and some of the language that was coming out of them and the things that we, were being chanted at us and, you know, uh, yeah, I just, I just didn't. I didn't like it very much. (laughs) But it it, it is a recipe for disaster. And I think, to be honest, I think the only reason why certain situations before that match, walking along Wembley Way, didn't escalate even further was that probably people feared then not being allowed in the ground as a consequence and their desire to be in the cup final probably superseded their... Uh, willingness to have a ruck in, in Wembley way, so um, yeah, yeah. Funnily enough, Matthew, you, you you sort of mocking me there at me talking about going to the cup final. Um, no,
1: no, not mocking. Just confer- just just making sure people. Are well,
0: to- on that yeah. same subject, it may may have escaped your notice that uh, in eight days' time, there's another rather large final for Liverpool Football Club. This one in uh, in uh, in the, the Stade de France, uh, Palais and uh, I mean, let's make this all about me for a while. Um <laughs> I have had one hell of a week. I really have, like, emotional roller coaster of a week. I mean, um, I, I banged on in an early episode of this. I think we called it about like the, the nature of fan culture or something like that. And I try and get across what it feels like to someone, maybe to someone who just randomly listens to this, or maybe to someone who isn't able to get access to tickets uh, as frequently like some of the big games and wishes they'd go football more or who just kind of sees football as a tv exercise but how i couldn't be more separated from that and i am i am probably bordering on being sort of pathologically obsessed and you know for good or for bad since certainly being a child and since i started going myself from like regularly I mean from like the age of 16 onwards um, it has probably meant more to me than anything other than sort of you know close friends and family and that that is literally it. it's meant more to me than any job any any other sort of endeavor in in private or professional life and it just means everything to me and sometimes I think Oh, maybe as you get older, you get a bit of, bit of sense of perspective. But this last week has really demonstrated to me that it that it doesn't that I, that I'm still as obsessed as ever. Because last um, Thursday, I got the email, so I went in a ballot. What what happens with each Champions League finals is that you everyone who's kind of been to enough games and eligible gets put in a ballot because, as ever with UEFA, you don't get anywhere near as many tickets as you should. Nineteen thousand, uh, nineteen and a half thousand tickets in a. In an eighty thousand capacity stadium is disgracefully um, poor, but anyway, I missed out on the ballot, and I think as I said in the previous podcast, like I've I've been lucky enough to get a ticket for the last couple of Champions League finals. So I thought the sort of logical part of me was like, well, it's my turn to miss out. It's a shame because I've got all my travel and accommodation and all that sorted. I have to cancel it, but then the backup was uh, there's an arena kind of like the 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 Liverpool equivalent of, like, the O2, um, right on the docks called the... Well, it was called the Echo Arena. It's now the m Bank Arena. And they're basically doing a massive screening in there, and they've uh, filled, filled it up with about 12,000 Liverpool fans. And because they're only going to people who were kind of eligible for a Champions League final ticket and missed out, they'll obviously be, like, a real sort of hardcore of fans. And it, I'd imagine the atmosphere would be amazing. So I at least thought, OK, well, I've got that in the bag, and I've sorted myself out accommodation in Liverpool, and that means I'll be there the next day... If- because they're doing a trophy parade. Even if they lose the final, they're going to do a trophy parade carrying the FA Cup and the League Cup. And who knows, even the Premier League trophy, although that's highly unlikely. Um, but, but still, even knowing all that, just not being able to go to the final has been eating away at me. Like keeping me awake at night and just feeling so negative all the time. And it's, it's horrible. And I, I know it sounds pathetic to normal people who live normal lives. But it has genuinely ruined the last eight days of my life. And the thing that I think that made it most tantalising is what they do is they allocate you within a waiting list uh, position. So if um, they, to the, to the sort of uh, 19,000 people who have got the tickets, if some of them kind of fall through or are returned, if people look into it and they can't go for personal reasons or they're, you know not everyone who they applied for on behalf can go or, or whatever, or they decide it's too expensive, um, then they get then distributed to people in the waiting list. And there's 16,500 people on the waiting list, and I'm only number 330. So I'm right near the front, and I thought, okay, so we've got a chance. And Wednesday of this week was the day where you, like, find out. And bear in mind, I'm 330. The email <laughs> – the e- well, I didn't, we didn't get an email. We are expecting it after 3 o'clock, and then, so then we checked the website, and they allocated to everyone on the waiting list from 1 to 298. And we're like, oh, oh, my God, we're literally missing out on the Champions League final by 32 people. It's outrageous. So we like, we were really, like, fed up, uh, me and my mate who buy tickets. Um, uh, big love to Neil Booth. Um, and then uh, today, uh, an email came through about four hours ago, five hours ago. And um, I didn't see it at first. And then I got a phone call from, uh, from uh, Neil Booth. Who then said, "Have you checked your emails?" I said, "No, no, no." And then I just took one glance at it, and Neil kept on talking about it. As soon as I saw, uh, "You are now eligible to apply," I just like leapt in the air, like running around the house. So basically, <laughs> on Monday at half past uh, at two in the afternoon, it looks like I'm almost guaranteed a ticket. It, there, is, there is still an element of doubt because it's everyone. There are get this. I mean, I cannot believe this. There are only 92 tickets left. They've sent this last email to 58 people. And it says, we've calculated how many each of you have applied for, and the numbers pretty much fit, but there is not, we cannot actually guarantee that every one of you will get, get tickets. So, there is still a little bit of peril, but I'd imagine for them to send out the email just to the, to, to the sort of 58 of us or whatever, is that we must be pretty certain. So... A hell of a week, okay, and no. it sounds like I'm going now. Um, oh, my God. And, and the beauty of football, Matt, is that, you know, the end, might go through all of that and all of the stress and the anxiety and the sort of, you know, the anger and the disappointment and then the joy – and then the chances are, well, then lose. And that—that's, But that's the beauty of football. Like, you, But you never, you never regret. It's never a bad thing to go. Do you know what I mean? I never think, even in 2007, when I went out to Athens without a ticket and I paid a thousand euros to a Croatian ticket tout and ended up in the wrong end with the Milan fans mostly, although there were Liverpool fans kind of dotted around. I still ended, I still found a way to enjoy it and I was getting on brilliantly with the Milan fans around me and I don't regret, even though it was a ludicrous amount of money to spend, I don't regret it. And, Going to a Champions League final is an amazing thing.
1: Yeah, I think it was. Uh, it was on Football Unfocused. Uh, oh, sorry, that's our podcast. Uh, Top Five Time Machine. Um, Sam Delaney was talking about going to a to a big match, and he said his mum's advice was always, "Whatever happens, you you've, you had a nice day out. Nice with day with with your lads. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah. I heard that. I heard that. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, so, so that's what that is that is true, on. but. But having said that, like I mean, losing is <laughs> losing is losing is pretty miserable when you get to a situation like that. But at least we're not playing an English team, so uh, that's the main thing. You know, there's no shame in losing to Real Madrid, um, the most successful club in um, in European football history and the biggest club in the world. So, so yeah.
1: Who? What are the odds? Who's favourite?
0: Oh, I don't know. I'm not a betting man, Matthew. But I'd imagine. No, okay. Well, I mean, Do you not know? Try, watch, no, 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 no. I don't know. Can I can. I never look at stuff what? like that.
1: But if someone said oh they're 5 to 1 I wouldn't even know if that if that's better or worse. Well, I'd imagine if you're 5 to 1, one.
0: in a two horse race then you're not favorite, are you? No, but um, if the other team's 4 to 1. Yeah, I'd imagine it would be pretty close. I mean I would say objectively <laughs> that Liverpool are probably at this current moment in time the strongest starting 11, but Real Madrid it should never be underestimated. When you when you're that successful as a club, even if the players who are currently in that team aren't necessarily involved in that success it kind of you carry it with you I know it sounds weird but you do it just just, it just seems to ingrain a level of belief when they won their semi-final against um, Man City they were all wearing t-shirts on the pitch with number 14 on the back that's because they're to show their fans we're going to try and bring back the 14th uh, European Cup slash Champions League I don't think there's another club in Europe who would have the bollocks to do that for risking the, the sort of you know the the um uh, mock it, mockery that they would get if they then don't win it. But they—they, I think they, they genuinely, more than any other club, think that they have a divine right when it comes to the Champions League. So they will be a formidable opponent. And, um, you know, we obviously, it's a chance for a relatively quick revenge since the, the 2018 um, uh, final. But I suppose, really, that's for another week. We should really be more focused on the fact that this weekend we're going into a final Premier League Um Thing And rather than, I think the title race, everyone kind of knows, it's you know, probably even if even if they listen to this tomorrow morning there, everyone knows the situation. One point in it, one of two teams are going to win it. Manchester City are at home to Aston Villa. Even though, as a Liverpool fan, I try and think, oh, Stevie's the Villa manager and, you know, they've got Coutinho and Danny Ings who played for Liverpool. They'll do us a favour. Come on, mm. Man City are incredible and they've had a week to prepare for this game, whereas Villa played last night. So I don't hold out any hope for that. And if that happens, it'll be an un- unbelievable... Sort of miracle, but I suppose you know it's worth considering that since we last recorded a podcast, the the, the kind of chase for the, the top four, which I know f- some people find nauseating because finishing fourth is in p- old and new money, not not exactly a top achievement, but it is it is significant, you know, in these days of Champions League money and stuff. And it, the the pat the, the the momentum has completely shifted, hasn't it, from from Arsenal to Tottenham, and it's now well, I mean, barring an absolute sort of Lasagna Gate style uh, catastrophe. Tottenham are going to finish fourth and be back in the Champions League, and you can't argue with it, really. The way that they, you know, they 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 gave it to the Arsenal the other week, and then they've they've got the results when it really mattered, and Arsenal have kind of capitulated, um, which is uh, it must be pretty difficult to take. I mean, I was out with a good friend of mine on Monday evening when they were playing um, Newcastle away. And, you know, it was quite kind of difficult to, to, to feel the, the sense of disappointment. You know, Arsenal, a season that has sort of at times promised so much and to kind of fall away at the end must be pretty heartbreaking because I actually did a, rarely for this, a little bit of very quick research about Arsenal's season because it is bizarre. It really is a, a, such a strange season, right? So they lost their first three games. Then they went eight games unbeaten. Then they lost three out of the next four. Then they won nine out of 11, right? I mean, that's brilliant form. So on April the 4th, they were six points above Spurs. And more points, particularly when they'd played fewer games, ahead of other, at that time, top four rivals. At that time, the Manx and West Ham were still in the race. But they then went on to lose three games in a row against mid-table teams, Brighton, Southampton and Palace. They then responded to that by winning four in a row. So you think they've pulled it out of the bag. But then they lost two really big games against uh, Tottenham and Newcastle. And this is kind of where they are now. But they're in a position where they've won more games than Chelsea, who are third. They've actually won more games. But lost more games than Brighton and Crystal Palace, who are both well below them. And if they lose to Everton at the weekend... It will be a—I uh, say club record in, um, in inverted commas because it's one of those Premier League era club records. But that, that will be 14 defeats, which is a Premier League era record for Arsenal um, since the Premier League was formed. So that is that is by anyone's standards a bizarre, mixed-up season. But for uh, Gooners out there, well, I, I, I know one for certain who listens to this: so the president of our Madrid delegation. I would say, and I was saying this to him the other night over a lovely dinner. Um, hmm that he was kind enough to pay for. So thanks again, Gibbo. <laughs> uh, uh, um, uh, that there, I think there are parallels between Arsenal's kind of season and the, the kind of the profile of a lot of their players. they got a lot of young players um, kind of all at once. And uh, a Liverpool season, that I remember from 99, 2000, when um, it was kind of Gerard Houllier, he tried the catastrophic co-management with Roy Evans in 98, 99 Evans had been um, uh, binned off in the November of that year, coinciding exactly with my, when I first started, sort of independently going to Anfield. In fact, Julier's first game in charge on his own was um, was my first game uh, without my parents when I was trusted to kind of go on my own. And uh, against Leeds, we lost 3-1, I think it was. Um, but that the following season, 99-2000, Julier had kind of got in some some relatively young and untried kind of bargain buys from the continent but he had also built the team around he'd kind of stripped out what he saw as some of like the, the old egos so like the Arsenal parallel will be getting rid of people like a like a Bamiang and he and how you know Julien got rid of uh, Paul Ince and he built the team around people like Steven Gerrard, uh, Danny Murphy, Michael Owen even at that time David Thompson who didn't go on to have, then have much of a Liverpool career but in that particular season um, and as a, the the issue is, you can have some exhilarating and brilliant performances when you have a team of that type of profile, but with as with any sport, youngsters, no matter how prodigious their talent is, they are the consistency is not necessarily going to be there. And Liverpool that season finished fourth. They they got themselves. So, you had to finish in the top three to get in the Champions League in them days. And we were in a position to get in the Champions League on the last day of the season, and we lost away at Bradford City, which kept them up from relegation and, and, and ended up we finished fourth. Now, that, as it turned out, that was actually a really good thing for us because we then went on to win the UEFA Cup that next season along with the FA Cup and the League Cup and that was a um, and, and finished third in the league. It was an absolutely amazing season. So I don't think Arsenal should be too despondent um, because I think there are signs there that they are building something. But on the flip side, I suppose, you know, a, a, another listener to this and a big Spurs fan kind of likes to mock Arteta for always saying, you know, trust the process or the project or whatever it is, because he does kind of say that a lot. And I I've, I've, I was listening before we started recording this to the kind of Friday Night 5 Live stuff, and they were pinpointing particular moments in this season where Arteta's maybe lost his head and blamed referees and goaded other managers and got involved in stuff that he doesn't necessarily need to. So maybe he needs to kind of find his level and and mature a little bit. But i found Arsenal this season... A really fascinating kind of case study to watch, and uh, but it is ultimately going to end in um, in Europa League football, which shouldn't be really regarded as a failure. But Matt, you must be relieved as a diehard Spurs fan that you're going to be I, back in the Champions League where you belong. I feel really self conscious about yeah, talking about
1: <laughs> Spurs success, especially when you've spoken about success. some of your friends' uh,
0: real pain uh, following Arsenal. So, um well would, yeah, but Matt, it's I not it's it. not rubbing it in. You're saying I mean, but you must you, you have to acknowledge that it's important when when a business model as a club has been built around this stadium is being yeah. paid for to host Champions League football for a club that only three years ago were in the Champions League final and have then fallen on some tougher times, I think it's an important step for them to be back in there.
1: Mm. And it's interesting, it has been interesting with Conte coming in. I mean yeah. it's been a bit of a roller coaster yeah, with yeah. him as so um yeah, and whether he'll stay
0: and if Kane C- C- stays and Kane will stay. Kind of, yeah, Kane's well, missed the boat now. He's kind hmm. of even if you, I don't think he probably even wants to leave now. But even if he did, I think he's missed the boat. I don't see. There's, I don't think there's going to be a market for him now. Well, some
1: would argue that Daniel Levy missed the boat selling him because he May, wouldn't have made any more money.
0: No, but would Tottenham be qualifying for the Champions League if they'd lost Kane? Oh, right, so it's. Yeah. Where do you you know, where how do you calculate that? How much where, is a hundred how much is a hundred million pounds worth? <laughs> yeah, if you if you make the hundred million pounds and then don't reinvest it in the squad or spend it on rubbish players, uh mm. then uh you're not gonna finish, you know, not you, you might mm. it might not just cost you not finishing in the top four next season, you might not even get in European football at all. Um and then you you know, the quality of play you can go for is significantly less. For me, from the outside looking in, the, the mm. really interesting thing with Tottenham is going to be this summer, you've got genuinely one of the best managers in the world at the club. Incredibly lucky to have him. Um, he he would walk into almost any job in world football. You've got a chairman who is notorious for running an incredibly tight ship and not necessarily spending on players in the way that some of these managers would like him to do. Um, plays a really hard line with anyone who wants to leave and contract negotiations and stuff. And I'm sure that makes him an excellent custodian of of Tottenham and a kind of responsible guardian of the business. But is that going to lead to confrontation and frustration with one of the most talented but also most demanding managers in world football? I would would suggest that in order to get Conte in the first place, surely to get someone of his calibre in, he must have had some guarantees made to him about a kind of war chest that's going to be available to him otherwise what would he be there for but he does He's. It is very strange because even when things have been going well in the last few months and obviously there were times when it was going a bit up and down obviously at the moment it's it's much more up but he kind of does occasionally make noises that that throw doubt into how long he'll be there and how happy he is and how convinced he is about the ability to sort of turn things around but he's a very emotional character so that might not necessarily be a sign that he's uh, aiming to get out but yeah, it's 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 very interesting, and uh, I suppose it is a, a big achievement. Tottenham, similar to Arsenal, were looking like they were really at rock bottom at times this season, and they've ended up in the in the Champions League. So, you know, both clubs, both the North London clubs, can console themselves that it could be worse. You could <laughs> be Manchester United. You know, no one is sinking that low. But it's I okay. Think- they've got they've got a Dutch guy coming in. And um, that that went brilliantly last time. They won the FA Cup mm. under Louis van Gaal, so uh, <laughs> that, that solved everything. And they got Bastian Schweinsteiger in, um, and that definitely worked. So I'm sure it will again. Um, and onwards and upwards for the biggest club in the world. <laughs> Anything else what to are you add? Doing? To
1: no, you're tapping something.
0: Oh, sorry, I just tapped my book. All
1: yeah. oh, right, you were just patting your your book. yeah I was patting my book it's like a comfort (laughs) thing yeah
0: that was my pat of right i have finish talking now shall we wrap this up Uh, yeah 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 so yeah yeah thanks Matt yeah so uh, uh, so by the time we next record who knows what state football will be in Uh, we'll definitely know who's won the Premier League Man City Uh, we'll, we'll and we might well know who's won the Champions League your guess is as good as mine uh and we'll probably also know oh one thing I d- did want to add actually nottingham forest uh, are now in the playoff final and as part of my ongoing uh, obsession with seeing proper big clubs back in the Premier League I think any any kind of neutral who, who claims to care about football should surely be absolutely rooting for Forest much as Huddersfield deserve respect you know they had a couple of years in the premier league not so long back and it was only two or three years ago they got relegated whereas forest 23 years for a club who are twice champions of europe without being in the top flight um they need to be back and i know that the pitch invasion was made when maybe a bit far but my god i watched that game in the atmosphere in the stadium and 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 also the atmosphere around their whole run from like bottom of the table to on the verge of automatic promotion, and their good FA Cup run they had this season as well, then the passion and the noise from their fans show you that as a proper B club, who deserves to be in the Premier League. So, uh, come on, Forest is what I say. And um, on that Clough-related bombshell, it is time to say. Uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, unexpected bonus episode, and it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Matt. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye, Matt. Oh, oh that's it. lovely stuff. <laughs>